0: Welcome to New Covenant's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and that you would encounter Jesus through this message. Thanks for listening. All right, what I want to do this morning, I want to read three different passages. I am aware of the time, don't freak. I'm going to read three different passages and give you guys just kind of a quick weaving together of these thoughts and... Um, how we can, uh, how we can learn from it. So we're going to start First Kings seventeen. These passages are similar, and you will see you will see the similarities as we go through. So first First Kings seventeen. It's a time of drought. Economic issues were happening. Um, Elijah has been fed by a raven, which is uh, ravens are unclean. Uber drivers. That are bringing him food. I'm going to start uh, Uber Eats. Uh, Verse 9, 1 Kings 17, 9. So the Lord says to Elijah, go at once to Zarephath and the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath and he came to the town gate and a widow was there gathering sticks and he called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? And she, as she was going to get it, he called and said, bring me also a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I, ha- I don't have any bread. I only have a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. And I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, "Do not be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me, for what from what you have and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son, for this is what the Lord the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. And she went and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. And the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Okay? Um, I'm going to read the other passage, but I just think it's really interesting that she was collecting sticks in the city gate. You don't collect sticks in the city gate. You collect sticks in the woods, right? So if she's collecting sticks in the city gates, that tells me she's either too afraid to go out of town or she's too weak to leave town, and she's standing in the gate picking up sticks that other people were inadvertently dropping As they were coming in or leaving town. Does it make sense? Right? And so so it's not like she was going to the woods to pick up sticks. She was waiting for, she was like in the city gate going, Oh, you dropped a stick. I got that one. Oh, you dropped a piece of hay. I'll take that too. Okay? Just to tell you, just to demonstrate the level of desperation. Second Kings now, chapter 4. Similar story because we have a widow, we have a different prophet. The, a wife, verse 1 says, A wife of the man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and now that he, I'm sorry, and you know that he revered, revered, revered the Lord, But now his creditor is coming to take my boys as his slaves. So she is a widow, she has two kids, and her kids then are like her future. right? They're going to be her future provision for her, and she's getting ready to lose them to the creditors. And Elisha replied, to her. How can I help you? Tell me what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all except a small jar of oil. Elijah said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and you and your sons. Pour oil into the jars as each each is filled. Put it to one side. And she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and kept pouring. When all the jars were full, and she said to her son, bring me just another one. He replied, there is not another jar left. Walmart's closed. I can't go to Target. We ain't got nothing. Then the oil stopped flowing. And she went and told the man of God, and he said, sell the oil, pay your debts, and you or your sons will live on what is left. Pretty cool, huh? One more. We're going to be jumping over to Mark now. Mark chapter 6. This one may be more familiar to you. The feeding of the 5,000. You guys see the similarities already? Right? Okay. So all these people are there listening to Jesus, they didn't bring food, they didn't have the amazing uh, men's conference people bringing food to them from Chick-fil-A, and so uh, Jesus says, verse 36, send the people away so that they can go to surrounding villages, or countryside and villages, and buy themselves something to eat, but he, the disciple, answered, uh, "No, I'm sorry, Jesus answered, you give them something to eat, and they said to him, what That would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. They went and they beat up a little kid and they took his food. And they came back and they said, we got five loaves and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. And you guys know the story that he gave thanks and he multiplied it and he began to pass out food. And they were all satisfied. So here's, here's, what, I, here's what I think. These three stories are very similar. Because they each address a season of lack and a season of vision. They each address a situation in which the person was called to do something beyond their abilities, okay? The widows did not have the ability to feed or to pay their bills, and the disciples didn't have the abilities to feed 5,000. So when the Lord calls us to do something beyond our abilities, that puts us in a fantastic place to see the miraculous, right? Zach was just up here, just refreshing our thoughts on the on the uh, generation building. God has called us to do something beyond us, beyond us generationally, beyond us financially, and that puts us in a position to see His miracles. Okay, so our our. Job is not to sit here and do math and try to figure out what we're going to do. Our job is to listen to the Holy Spirit and say, if I obey you, you do something amazing. Okay? And so we, we have these three stories. I've got a number of points. I'm going to zip through them fairly really quickly. And, uh, but I want you to get some takeaways because this, this should build our faith to believe God, to do something beyond us. Okay. And I'm, I'm loving that people are coming up to me every, every week and saying, wow, I did this. And then I got this raise. I I gave this first fruits offering and God did this. I believed God for a job and now I have a job. And so I'm seeing God move in our lives. And so, and that's great individually. Now we're at a place where we need to see that as a corporate body, as a family, right? Okay, so here's, here's my thoughts. Number one is this, from these, path, from these stories, number one is this, God knows our haves and our have-nots. It's interesting in each of these stories that they pretty much started off with, I don't have that, right? Feed, feed 5,000, uh, we ain't got that. Give me, give me bread, I don't, I don't have that. Pay your bills. I don't have that either. And, and that's really interesting because most of you are doing the same thing. Right? We're going to raise $800,000 and build a building. I don't have that. Ah. It's the same thing. But you know what's really amazing is God knows that. God knows. Is it not true that God knows the number of hairs that are on your head? Right? Minus one. Minus another one. Some of you zero, right? So God knows the number of hairs. Yeah, Roy, I'm looking at you. Zero. God, God doesn't have to waste time doing accounting with you over there. Lily Roy goes zero, right? Looks at Shane and says, fuzzy. God knows what you have. God kn- Most of you don't know exactly what you have in your bank account, but God does. Hmm? right is that zero also no okay can you check god knows what you have and god knows what you don't have and god when he's asking you to do something he's not asking you to do something that is impossible he's asking you to do something supernatural does it make sense so don't look at him like that's stupid you look at him and go hmm you're asking me to do something because you already know what i have and you know what i don't have and we're gonna see this thing work together. Okay? He he knows. He's looking for us to approach the problems, not from a, a calculation understanding, and this is this is how I'm gonna do it. Understanding. He's looking at us, looking at us and asking us to approach things from a faith perspective. Okay? How are we gonna do this? I have no idea it's going to be faith. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing because both both of the prophets Elijah and Elisha and Jesus in in these three stories they each conducted themselves as if there was plenty. Right? We're going to feed 5000 people have them all sit down. Right? There's plenty. And there's there's a certain thought of you it's easier to give when you know there's plenty right it's easier to give when you know there's plenty when we think nothing it's harder to give when we think plenty it's easy to give okay and so the prophets are like hey give me bread i don't have bread i know you don't have bread but it's okay because i know there's plenty Pay your bills. How am I going to pay my bills? With oil? What oil? I don't have any oil. Yes, you do. It's going to be great. You just, just, because when we see in the spirit realm, we see plenty. And when we look in the natural realm, we, we get distract, distracted or discouraged. Okay, But God knows, and there's a, to me there's a certain piece in this. God knows what I have, and God knows what I don't have. All right. My second thought is this. A scarcity mindset... Will always hold you back. Your scarcity mindset always limits God. Okay? But God, there's just not enough. God's like, for real? For real? Do you not do you not know me? Our scarcity mindset always limits God. We all if we live our life by the calculator and not by faith, we're limiting Father. Okay? There's a verse that we will probably we should all probably memorize that's in the book of proverbs proverbs eleven twenty four. it says one person gives freely yet gains even more another withholds unduly but comes to does anybody want poverty is there anyone in this room that's like man when i grow up i want to be in poverty there's nobody right I've been looking at this bridge I'm going to sleep under, and I'm excited about... No. I don't think we even have bridges. Do we have bridges? Over the creeks. Right? It's like nobody wants to come to poverty, yet we have a hard time understanding this scripture. When we are free, it's because we're not thinking scarcity, we're thinking Abundance. And we need to begin to think in abundance terms, realizing that God is always the God of more than enough. Okay? How many of you guys like going to the beach? Gee, that was a little excessive, but that's a... <laughs> We go to the beach. What 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 is a common feature at beaches? They're called waves. Right? And 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 you guys I enjoy sitting on the beach when it's not blazing hot. And listening to the waves. I like to close my eyes and sit in the sand and listen. I remember uh, a couple years ago being down at uh, St. Simon's outside the King and Prince. In the dark. By myself. Can't see anything except the the little glowy things. What do you call those things? Biology people help me out here? Anybody? Anyway, those things, those things, the little glowy things that are there in the water and just just listening. I don't want to do too much sounds of wave because you guys will go to sleep. But none of us ever expect that that's going to be the last wave. You always know there's another one. Why don't we trust Father more than we trust the Atlantic? Just saying. So number three, because I'm trying to chop through these fairly quickly. Number three is obedience demonstrates a faith mindset. Okay? Obedience demonstrates a faith mindset. I love the old uh, Indiana Jones movies. And you remember the one where where, where there's the invisible bridge... That he throws, the, he throws the sand out on at some point, but he does this and he steps forward and he, right? I, can, I haven't seen it in years, but you, you, if I was better prepared, I'd throw it up on the screen, but I didn't think about this till like two seconds ago. But faith has a different mindset, right? I just believe God. I believe that when he asks me to do something, that's the important piece, that it's going to turn out. Obedience demonstrates a faith mindset. It it demonstrates that I believe him and he's going to do something. I believe that it will be supernaturally solvable if the widow of the oil had gone back to her place and said to her boys, the prophet's an idiot, don't collect any Tupperwares, Pack your bags because you're going to slavery. Would there have been a miracle? No. However, she went back and she said, go get every container that you can find. And it wasn't that this was before Tupperware and Rubbermaid, right? And so it was jars and, and clay pots and stuff like this. And there was, they didn't have the surplus. How many of you guys like have a whole cabinet that's nothing but Tupperware kind of things? And none of the lids match anyway? That was not then. And how many of you have like a colossal pile of plastic cups? No. It wasn't that time. And and so they went and they collected stuff. They they, they humbled themselves to go knock on the door and ask the people for pots and clay jars and all this stuff. And so their obedience demonstrated that they believed that what the prophet said was going to happen. If I don't obey the Lord, I'm demonstrating that I have no faith. Yes, yes. And faith is the confidence in what we hope for, Amen. right? Hebrews 11.1, 1. write it down. Point number four is this. God is a multiplier. Satan is a divider. And Satan also invented fractions. No, that's probably not true. But that's just my little math issues coming out. Sorry. But God's a multiplier. God continually takes the little that we can give and he continually multiplies it. He designed the world to be a multiplication. Right? I give you seeds. Right? I give you, I give you corn. Corn. And you plant it, and it grows, and then you have more. You have more corn, but you have more seeds, and then you can take that seed, and you can you buy a bell pepper. And it's got seeds in it, and you can plant it, and it gives you more bell peppers with more seeds. And theoretically, you can keep planting all of those seeds, and you would eventually have a farm of bell peppers. No one likes bell peppers quite that much, but you could. Right? Do you like bell peppers, Sean? Okay. Everybody collect your seeds for bell peppers and give them to Sean. No. So we so we we see that God established the world in such a way that we that we have a multiplying God. We just have to figure out how to and according to what he calls us to do to see it multiply but if we withhold it unduly if we eat all of our corn and we plant nothing then we don't have new corn yeah. right i love corn i even have a corn butterer it's a little plastic deal you put a piece of you put a butter stick into it and it's curved in the same curvature as the corn and you stick the little, and you go. I have my own corn butterer, Amazon.com. I love corn. But you got to plant the corn to get the corn. God is a multiplier, and he's looking to see us walk in that. Now, I want you to look, check this out. Uh, John 15, verse 8. Check this out. It says this. This is to my father's. Glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. I want you to think about this. If God is a multiplier, what you sow turns into harvest or turns into fruit. It is to God's glory that we see a harvest, How do I glorify the Father? I become like him, and I become a a multiplier. I sow, and I see a harvest, and I testify, and I am multiplying. That brings glory to the Father because that's fruit. Sitting there and not sowing, and not harvesting, and not multiplying doesn't bring Father glory. Have you, I mean, you've driven, you've driven through Bullock County or other places where you see fields that are ready to be harvested. That is beautiful. Right? I've driven across Kansas, boring as mess, but there's all these wheat fields and all these corn fields. And there's no, there's no people for a million miles. Just a straight road across Kansas help us. Right? But the field ready for harvest is beautiful and glorious and when we walk in a harvest it glorifies the father John 15 and 8. Okay? Because that's God's nature. That was number what? 4? So I'm on number 5. I'm going to actually get through this in a decent time. Our stuff is always a test. When you have stuff, anyone in the room have stuff? That's a test. It's a test of how you're going to treat it. How you, are you going to worship your car or are you going to worship the Lord? Right. Are you going to worship your boat or are you going to worship the Lord? I have a bank friend. Bank, he's like the branch president. And he told me something really interesting. He's told me that of all the things he's ever repossessed, houses and cars and farms, he has never once repossessed a man's fishing boat. Makes you wonder. I'll skip payments on everything but my boat. Your stuff is always a test of where your heart is. It is. You know? I mean, I've got, in my office, I have a black Takamini guitar. Love it. I love my guitar. I've had this guitar forever. Okay? I I remember sitting, sitting on my floor, crisscross, with Zach in my lap, playing guitar. I mean, he's a little baby. I've got a picture of that somewhere. He's trying to reach around, touch the strings. I'm playing guitar. I love this little guitar. Someone tried to buy it from me. I'm like, no, nope, not selling it. I give you $800 for it. Nope, not selling it. A couple weeks ago, I'm in my office and I look at the guitar and there's a hole on the face of my guitar. And I about sent everyone to see Jesus. My stuff is a test of where my heart is. Everybody goes to work, you go to work because you get a paycheck, your paycheck is a test of your heart. Okay? All your stuff is always a test, which is why Second Corinthians 13 says this, verse 5, examine yourselves to see whether you are in faith. Examine yourself. That would be 2 Corinthians 13, not first. I may have put it in wrong. It's always possible. It was late and I was tired. Examine yourself to see whether you are in faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? Examine yourself. Always, all the time, your stuff is a test. Uh, King Solomon had fame. And fortune, and it was a test, and he failed. Okay, a lot of people failed the fame test. A lot of people failed the fortune test, right? And so there's every time we have a situation, it's a test. The manna in the desert was a test, right? The man in the desert. Monday, it's going to be the same, and it's going to rot overnight. Tuesday, it's the same, it's going to rot overnight until you get to the Sabbath, in which case you should not go collect, but the nature of the stuff would change to see if you would obey the Lord and your Sabbath, would be, your manna would be good on the Sabbath, and then it would rot on the third day. Does that make sense? God has the ability to use your stuff... To test you. I don't believe that God's against you having stuff. He's interested in what it does to your heart. Right? Oh, I got a great boat. Now I'm never going to church again because I'm always fishing. Right? I got a lake house. Yeah, I never go to church because I'm always at my lake house. I need a job. I need a job. Then you got a job. You never come to church. Hello? Your stuff is always going to be a test. So, the question that we have to always ask ourselves is Will we honor God with our stuff? All right? I've got a house. I honor God with my house by making my house available to people. I have, how many of you guys have spent the night in my house? A couple of you? Most of you have signed the guest book. All right. We have a guest book. It's probably, good Lord, it's probably 30 pages long of people from all over the world that have spent the night in our house. Why? Because my house belongs to the Lord. We'll keep the light on for you. Where's that, Motel 6? Motel, okay. I, just, huh? I don't know. Is there a number six? I think I got number six. Faith leads to Action. I don't believe that having cross-your-arms passive faith is really faith. Right? That's skepticism. Check this out. I want to see what the Lord does. Then I'll get on board. Is that faith? Absolutely not. Faith is, I'm going to be involved. I'm going to do something. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to allow my faith to demonstrate that I have obedience and that I'm going to see God do something. Okay. It's not do something and then I'll jump in. Right? That would be like you're going to ask you're going to ask that girl to marry you. You're waiting for her to say, "Hey, I want to marry you, would you please ask me first?" That is no faith involved. It's when you come up and you're like you're like, "Will you marry me?" And she's like, "What you crazy?" I mean, have the conversation first. Can I, can I tell you guys a quick story? This quick story. There's a guy in town. He's got a hot air balloon service. Okay? And so he was at a first, one of the first Friday events that my wife puts on downtown. And so he had his big, his basket, which is like, the basket's like from here to here for the hot air balloon. Right? And so he told us that he took a college kid up with his girlfriend in this hot air balloon and he the kid proposed and the girl said no and they're in a hot air balloon hundreds of feet up and it's only like where are you gonna go (laughs) how are you escaping (laughs) can you take us down now can you take us down (laughs) do your research first fellas do your research has nothing to do with this point but it's in there I got to get it out okay <laughs> oh is there more story yeah they landed and all the family was waiting did she change her mind oh so they landed <laughs> for the, for the recording they landed and the whole family was there waiting all right we have a counseling center for that kid. If he's out there, call us. We'll. No. <laughs> yeah, I think it's over there at that point. At that point, it's over. <laughs> I always derail myself like that. Why? Why do we do David, why do you do this to you? I don't know. I have no idea. All right, let's wrap this up. <sighs> Bless it. Who's playing keys? Playing keys today, Chris, Zach, somebody. I don't care. You know what's really cool? Did you guys notice that Zach and Loy switched positions? Right? Today we had it. We had four people on the. You play drums? We had four people on the stage that are excellent drummers in a church. That is a miracle. Because Chris plays drums and Loy plays drum at drums and Dustin plays drums and Zach plays drums. And we had five people on the stage that could play drums very well. Do you play drums, Kio? See, I didn't count you because. Is... But the fact that you had five drummers on one stage in one church is a, that is a miracle of God, just all by its own self, right there. You have seen you have seen the Red Sea part today, gentlemen and ladies. Here it is. Anyway, here's what we here's what we're asking you to do. We have designed a spiritual journey devotional for you that hopefully you've, you've been in and you're reading the, these challenging devotional thoughts. We're asking you to pray and say, Lord, what would you like us to do? We will obey you and we'll build this building, okay? I'm not telling you what you should give. I'm saying go talk to him because he knows. That's all I'm saying. So we're asking you to spend the next couple weeks and just pray, talk with your spouse, get a number, and say this is what we're going to do. How are we going to do it? I have no idea. How's it going to work? I don't know, but God's going to surprise us. So we're inviting you to be in faith like the two widows, to be in faith like the little boy who gave his fish and his bread. And we're going to believe God for amazing things. Okay? Okay? So I'm going to pray for you about that, and then we're going to have our prayer team come to the altar, and we'll, we'll do some ministry for a second. But, but Father, I pray that you would speak to us clearly. Lord, we believe it is your will and your leading for us to expand and to leave a legacy, to multiply ministry by building a building and having more space. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak to us And I pray, Father, that we would be obedient in it. And we thank you, Lord, that you desire to do something that is astounding, that is multiplied, and that is beyond us. And we thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm going to ask if you're on our prayer team, altar people, if you'd come up here to the altar. This morning, if you're here and you're like, man, I really need someone to pray for me. I've got stuff going on in my life. It's relationships. It's, it's money stuff. It's school is, is beating you down. You're concerned about work. Whatever it is that's going on, you're like, I just need someone praying for me. These guys would love to minister to you, and they would love to pray over you. And, and so we want, we want to open up the altars for that. Maybe you're here this morning, and you, you want to give your life to Christ. You're here and you're like, man, I, I, don't, I don't really feel like I'm... If I die today, I don't think I'm going to go to heaven. I don't know the Lord. These guys would love to pray with you to receive the Lord. If that's the case, if that's you and you're like, man, today I want to make a difference. I don't want to leave this place without connecting with Jesus. And so, again, I'm going to pray, I, in fact, that you all stand to your feet and... Um, we just want to we want to pray over you. We want to bless you. We want to minister we minister to you. And so, so, Father, I just pray that by your Spirit this morning you administer strength to us. Lord, we we need you. There are situations in our lives that only, only you have the power to, to resolve. And so, Father God, we place our needs in your hands and we trust you. We trust you for salvation. We trust you for filling with the Holy Spirit. We trust you for health and healing in our bodies, for healing in our homes and our marriages. Lord God, we need you. So, Father, we pray that today, as we meet at this altar, that you administer to us and give us strength. Father, we thank you for the miraculous. And we believe it to be so. In Jesus' name.